All right, John 11. Well, before we read the text, which we'll do in just a second, um, I was thinking of the best way to, to kind of lead into our topic for today. And I was thinking about how life is described oftentimes as a walk. You just heard that word used throughout scripture, you know, like walk in this way, walk like Christ, okay? It's not really saying like Jesus like had a certain walk and we all have to like walk like that. No, okay. Walking is used as a described life. And I was thinking of what's a story I could tell of a memorable walk somebody went on, okay? And I thought of this story of uh, actually one of Angel's roommates from college, okay? And I don't remember all the details, Sylvia, right? Um, and she was serving uh, down in Ecuador, Costa Rica, Honduras, Costa Rica maybe, Costa Rica, okay? She's serving down in Costa Rica, right? And they go on a hike, her and she's a doctor, okay? And so um, she goes on a hike with another doctor or a couple others and about halfway they're like, some of them are like gonna turn back. She and her friend are like, we're gonna go to the top of the mountain and we'll meet you back, right? So they go and they go up the path or what they think is the path and they go up to the top of the mountain and they start coming back down trying to find their way back and they're wandering and they're wandering and they're walking and they're walking and it's getting darker and it's getting darker until finally it is nighttime and they are in the Costa Rican jungle okay just the two of them and now it's getting to the point where it is pitch black and they are wandering through the darkness trying to find their way back to the village okay and they get to this point where it's getting steeper and steeper, they can feel that it's steeper, and then they get to a log, and they realize there's nothing on the other side of the log, right? And so her, her friend, who's a guy, he is like leaning over the log, putting his feet down. Finally, he's hanging off the log, and his feet aren't touching solid ground, right? And so they have a decision to make in this walk that they're on. What do you do? Do you keep going? Do you stop? Do you wait? Do you spend the night there? He decides, I'm going to drop. And we're going to, I think this is the way down. I think this is how we get down. Right? So he does. He lets go of this log and he falls probably 12 to 20 feet. And he hits the ground and he messes up his ankle really bad. And now he's telling her from down below don't do it, stay where you are. And they spend the night all night in the Costa Rican jungle, just like noises, sounds in the darkness, longing for that sun to come up, right? So the sun comes up and now they're tired, they're hungry, they're scared, they're lost. And they decide at this point, we're just gonna stay right here. We're gonna stay right here and hope for the best. And it's not until later that day that they hear someone shouting their name and they call back and they had sent out a search party looking for them and they're rescued, okay? And they're brought back home, right? And, and in asking her to retell that story, it was a number of weeks or months after it had happened and she teared up in telling the story. It was not a fun event. It was a terrifying event, okay? And so life is described as a walk throughout scripture because a walk has a beginning, a walk has an end, right? You have a starting point, you have your destination. 
And you go places in between it, you experience various things. Some things are good, some things are bad, some things are fun and joyful, some things are hard. Sometimes when you're on your walk of life, it feels like you're in the darkness. You don't see where you're going. Sometimes you kind of like have it all planned out, right? Everything's going according to plan. You see where life is going, or at least you think you do, and you feel like it's all working. And at other times, it just goes dark. And you're thinking, what is happening? Why am I walking in the darkness? Did God bring me here? How did I get in the darkness? How do I get out of the darkness? Life can be like that. And I think Jesus says something in our passage today that ties to that image of walking through life in the light and in the darkness, and we're ultimately going to end up there. But first, let's read our story in John chapter 11 of Lazarus, one that you've probably heard before. Um, So we're going to read it, and then we're actually going to split into little groups, and we're going to talk about a few questions, and then we'll come back together and discuss them. Now, a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas called the twins, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go, that we may die with him. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. 
And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said (coughs) these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them, what Jesus had done. We're going to stop there. All right, so we're going to get into little groups and we're going to answer a few questions and just trying to understand what exactly is happening here. And so the questions are here on the screen. So why don't you guys work in groups of three with one requirement? You can have, you must have some male and some female in the group, okay? Group of three, all right? And this includes any leaders or adults in the room, jump in a group. All right. Um, wow, I didn't expect this to be so painful. <laughs> I, I'm like looking at faces and just seeing angst upon them. How about groups of five? Okay, groups of five-ish, four or five. Ready, set, go. Now we're all close and intimate. All right, so let's uh, turn yourself a little bit towards me. All right, if your back's to me. Um, you don't have to move too much. Don't worry. You're fine. All right. So quick question. You know, these are to help us kind of get at what's happening in the story. What stood out to you? Did anything kind of hit you as you looked a little bit deeper into the passage yourself? He let his friend die. Great. It's very clear that he let his friend die, right? It says, you know, they send him this message that he's sick, and he says, um, well, where is it? So, this big so at the beginning of verse, no, that's not it. Different so. Verse six, yes, that so. So, or therefore, when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. 
right? It's very clear, like, Lazarus is sick, I'm not coming, okay? So he lets his friend die. What else? What stood out to you? Yeah, Colin. We don't see the disciples' reaction to this miracle. Yeah. We don't get to hear from the disciples, do we? Yeah. It's interesting what John tells us and what he doesn't tell us. And I'm still struck by the point that was made in one of my earlier sermons that I got from someone else. But just, it says in John, John says, if everything that was told about Jesus were to be written down, all the books in the world couldn't contain everything that he did. Which means, when, Jesus, when John tells us something, it's extremely important. Okay, He could have left it out, and he didn't. He put it in here. Okay, I think that's really important. Anyone struck by how much it talks about, about Jesus' love for this family? Do you guys remember any other stories where it says Jesus loved this person and he loved them so much? And I mean, it says this three times in our story. The one whom you love is ill. So Mary and Martha know Jesus loves Lazarus. And then it says in verse 5, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And then in verse 36, so the Jews said, see how he loved them? Or loved him? Yeah. I just think it kind of like when it talks about how he loved them, it makes him more like human-like almost. It gives him like qualities that, like I know God loves people, but it's like a quality that we can relate to too. Yeah. How many of you sometimes struggle with, does Jesus love me? I know we've been studying Romans 8 as a Slovenia team, and it's like chalked full of God's love for us, but then sometimes the Jesus and John can seem kind of, spacey and distant and he's like throwing these big theological ideas out there i think this is so helpful to just to hear jesus loved lazarus a lot and he has that same affection for you and for me he loves us okay so let's run through the questions really quick and then i'll just bring us to a conclusion here so the big problem lazarus is sick right he's sick and he's, he's real sick like jesus you need to hurry sick And what does John tell us about the relationships in this chapter? Well, that's where I was getting at, this highlight of love. Jesus loves Martha. He loves Lazarus. And that's important because of what we're going to see his reaction, like the reaction of he lets his friend die. We don't put those things together usually. He loves his friend tremendously. He lets his friend die. He loves his friend's sisters who are saying, please come heal our brother. He lets their brother die. What do we do with that? What do we do with a savior who lets people die but loves the people that he's letting die? How does that happen? So what are the different responses to the problem? So Lazarus is sick and we hear Mary and Martha and they send to Jesus, come quickly. And Jesus doesn't come. He waits. And the disciples, what's their response? Uh, Let's not go to Judea. They want to kill you there. Remember, Jesus And I think there's probably some fear in their hearts saying, and they probably will not be too happy with us because we're with you, right? That's why I think maybe why Thomas says, let us go and die with him. They're expecting to be killed. Some serious stuff going on here. Um, But Jesus, oh, and then also Mary and Martha, when Jesus gets there, what's the response? Did you notice both of them say the exact same thing? Martha says, Lord, if you'd been here, he wouldn't have died. Mary says, Lord, if you'd been here, he wouldn't have died. And all the people in the crowd, when they see him weeping, they say, 
could he not have opened the eye? He who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying. So this big idea that goes throughout the crowd is if only Jesus had been here before he died. And it's telling us something about the view of death. That death is final, right? Death is the ultimate darkness. Death is the ultimate conqueror. Yeah, Jesus can like make people see, he can heal sick people, but once people are dead, end of story. That's where Jesus' powers meet their limit. At least that's what they think, right? That's kind of this idea that's out there. And so Jesus delays. He's not going to go. He's going to wait. And he's not just going to wait a little bit. He's going to wait two days, and then he's going to travel for a few days so that we know that when he gets there, Lazarus has been dead for how long? Four days, right? I think, does the King James Version, I've always thought this was quoted as when Martha says, Lord, he stinketh. <laughs> Lord, he stinketh. Okay? So, that's important. He stinketh, meaning there's no confusing this for like, well, maybe he just got better. You know, like we thought he was dead, but he wasn't really dead. No, it's clear, like, he's going to stink in there. He's rotting. He's dead and rotting. And Jesus is going to come and conquer this death. Okay? So Jesus gives reasons for this. And we see a couple reasons. One is in verse 4. He says, this illness does not lead to death, which is a really weird thing to say because it does, unless there's life after death. Right? It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. So we have these two big things. God's glory, Jesus' glory. This is why Jesus is letting him die. And when the disciples say, um, if he's fallen asleep, he'll recover. And Jesus had spoken of his death. He's like, guys, I'm not talking about sleeping. I'm talking about him really dying. And he says, for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe. So we have the glory of God, the glory of Jesus, and so that you may believe. That's why I'm waiting to go and raise up Lazarus. So Jesus waits, he goes, and he reveals, I am the resurrection and the life. And he raises Lazarus from the dead. He shows that he has power over death. Um, all right, and so let, let me back up a second. I just want to make really clear. Jesus isn't just showing that he can raise people from the dead. There's something way more important at stake than just raising someone from the dead. Us believing that Jesus is the savior of the world is way more important than whether or not Lazarus gets raised from the dead. God's glory and Jesus's glory is way more important than just saying, Lazarus, I hope you get better. Getting Lazarus better and healing him. So, so these, these reasons that Jesus has given, God's glory and so that you might believe, these should be these like huge, heavy, weighty reasons why Jesus waits and lets Lazarus die. Okay, So the purpose of this sign is far greater than just to show that Jesus can raise dead people, raise Lazarus from the dead. So the question is, does he accomplish this? And if so, how? Does he lead, do something that leads to us being able to believe in him? Um, it's been a short week. These notes don't make a lot of sense, so I'm just going to keep going here. 
Sorry if that part was confusing. I don't know if that made any sense. Um, so he can, raises Lazarus. He confirms he's the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die, he says. Um, so I want us to end by looking at verses 8 through 10. Okay, so Jesus clearly has power over death. He's able to raise people from the dead. He's showing us that when we, if we believe in him, we will never die spiritually. Okay. Verse 8 through 10, for me, when I read this story, stick out like a sore thumb. You've got this great story going on. You've got this like setting. You've got tension, sickness. The plot is continuing, right? Um, verse 7, then he said to his disciples, let's go to Judea. The disciples say, Rabbi, the Jews are just seeking to stone you. Are you going to go there again? And then Jesus answered, and this is what I picture happening here, right? So if this is like Jesus's life on camera, you've kind of got this scene playing out in front of you. And then Jesus turns and looks at the camera and says something to the camera and then comes back and the story keeps going. And everybody who's with him is like, who are you talking to? You know, like that didn't make any sense. That's how I picture this kind of happening, okay? So Jesus is, is talking to them, you know, about Lazarus. And then it says in verse 8, verse 9, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. So it's like this, this like weird two verses that stand out and then it gets back to the story where he says, okay, Lazarus is asleep slash dead. We got to go fix the problem. We're going we're gonna to do this. And I think that because they stand out, we should focus on them. We should say, what is Jesus talking about? Well, is this the first time Jesus has talked about light and darkness in John? No. We've heard some really important things about light. First of all, we've heard that Jesus is the light. That Jesus is the light of the world. And he says, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And then he says, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. And he also tells us in the next chapter that you can get this light by believing in this light. If you believe in the light, you get the light. Now, the word that stands out to me in verse 10 that just is like, I think Jesus is not talking about like real daytime and real nighttime is because he says in verse 10, if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. That's a really weird way of talking. Yeah, I, we don't say like I'm, I'm tripping over sticks and stones at night because the light's not in me. It's because the light's not up there, right? Or the, out there, there's no light out there. So Jesus is pointing out that you are, I think what's happening here is he's about to walk into an incredibly dark situation. Death. The death of a friend. The death of a beloved friend. And he's going to go talk to his sisters whom Jesus loves. Darkness, darkness, darkness. And Jesus is also walking into a very dark situation because he's walking into a situation where there's these leaders who want to kill him and his disciples. Just surrounded by suffering and darkness and evil. And here's what he has to say before he does so. If the light is in you, you're not going to stumble. And that's what I think we need to take away from this passage here. The passage isn't teaching us that if grandpa dies, Jesus is going to come and raise him from the dead. Jesus did this for a couple people. This is not a thing that we all get to experience, that our loved ones are raised from the dead. It does show us that we will be raised from the dead after we die. 
But I think what Jesus is really showing here is that when we walk into the darkest of situations, if the light is in us, we won't stumble. So the question is, is the light in you? And what dark situations are you walking through? How many of you guys know the, the Johnsons, Peter and Renee Johnson, who left our church a little while ago? And recently, Peter Johnson's been diagnosed with cancer. You guys knew his kids. You guys knew Uriah was some of you guys' age, their oldest kid, right? You know, his dad has been diagnosed with cancer in just the last couple months, going through chemotherapy right now. He got six kids, seven kids, I don't remember. Six. six kids, right? From little, little to Uriah's age. That is darkness. And it's not just darkness for dad, that's darkness for kids. My dad has cancer. How am I going to walk through this? How am I going to handle this? That's what we oftentimes think of a big picture darkness, but for some of us, darkness is just going to school, walking into the lunchroom. Darkness is not knowing what the future holds. Darkness is, I've got this sickness that's just not going away. I'm not getting better. God, this is darkness. What are you doing here? Jesus is saying, if the light is in you, you don't need to stumble in the darkness. Because if that darkness, even if that darkness, leads to the worst possible fate, of death, I am the resurrection and the life. There is no darkness that is so dark that Jesus' light can't lead you through it. And that's what I want you guys to take away from today. So you get that light in you by believing. Whoever believes in the light has the light. Believe in Jesus and you have the light. We're past time, so let me pray. We'll finish up. Lord, thank you for this awesome story. Thank you that we see that, Lord, you love people and you lead people that you love into darkness. And yet it's in that darkness that your light is highlighted, that it's spotlighted, that the light of Christ shines all the brighter. I pray that that would happen in the hearts of these students and in my heart, that, Lord, you would help us to receive the light by believing in you, to have your light in us so that we won't fear the darkness that we're facing or walking through right now and that we would actually see that you lead those you love into darkness so that your light can shine all the brighter inside them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.